Welcome to our next class in the series of classes on the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And we're going to begin now in the section of the Catechism that is referred to as the Sacramental Economy. And for those of you who are using the compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this begins with paragraph 218 and following. So that's 218 and following. Uh, it goes up to um, somewhere around the 300s, but for this lecture, I'm just going to focus on the sacraments in general, and then the next lecture we're going to start diving into the individual sacraments themselves. Now the sacraments are a big part of the life of the Church. We have seven sacraments. We have baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, holy matrimony, holy orders, penance, and the sacrament of reconciliation, and the anointing of the sick. So those seven sacraments are a big part of the life of the Church. Now if you recall, in our previous lectures, we began with the Creed, and we gave several talks on the Creed, that's the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, which is the story of salvation in Jesus Christ. And at that level of our faith, we come to understand the reality of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Son of God is both divine and human, and he becomes human, he's born of the Virgin Mary, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will come to judge us, all of us, the living and the dead at the end of time. And the goal of our faith is to live in him and to live by his teaching. So that was the creed, and that's the first part of our faith. We have four parts of our faith, the creed, the sacraments, morality, and prayer. Now, if we just stop with the creed, then our faith becomes something that is separate from us. It becomes a story, and it doesn't really impact us directly. But the sacraments is where we are now. That's the next level of our faith, and that has to do with us. That has to do with somehow connecting our lives to that of Jesus Christ. Now, to help illustrate this, I want to read to you from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5 verses 25 and following. And a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That story is powerful because you have the personal life story of that woman intersecting or encountering the life of Jesus Christ. And that encounter heals her. 
Notice how the Gospel says that the Lord Jesus was aware that power had gone out of him. So power had gone out of him into the life of this one woman. And it says that she told him the whole truth. So we don't know what that whole truth is, but perhaps she shared with him her entire life story. And his life encountered her life. And so we can put this little stick figure to represent her and to represent all of us that somehow the power of Jesus is going to come to us. Well, how does the power of Jesus ordinarily come to us? It's through the sacraments. It really is through the sacraments. So when you look at the life of Jesus, it's important to understand that his life is not only a past tense reality. Yes, he lived in the past. He lived 2,000 years ago. He walked the earth. But in his resurrection and ascension, he's still alive, and he's going to be alive for all eternity. And his life is a present tense reality. Why is that so? It's because of his divinity. Remember, God is the creator of everything that exists, including time. So the mystery of God is above time. Everything about the life of Jesus is in time, in history, but also transcends time. So our relationship to Jesus Christ, likewise, is not something from the past, but it's right now. And how is it right now? It's through the seven sacraments. The Catechism says this in paragraph 284. This is the major catechism, the big book that I'm referring to in this lecture. It says here, Seated at the right hand of the Father and pouring out the Holy Spirit on his body, which is the church, Christ now acts through the sacraments he instituted to communicate his grace. So think about that, that right now Jesus Christ acts through his sacraments to communicate his grace. Do you remember when the angel appeared to Our Lady, the Virgin Mary? The angel said to her, Hail, full of grace. So Our Lady already had in her heart some gift of the Lord, and that's grace. That's a share in the life of the Most Holy Trinity. So in the sacraments, Christ is communicating to us His grace. We want to share in the life of God. We don't want God just to be an idea, only the creed or only the story. We want to share in that life. The Catechism says that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And there he's pouring out the Holy Spirit on his body, which is the church. Christ now acts through the sacraments he instituted to communicate his grace. Communicate his grace to whom? To us, to you and to me. That's why he came. The Gospel of St. John says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Catechism continues in this paragraph. The sacraments are perceptible signs, that is, words and actions, things that we can perceive, that we can see, we can hear, accessible to our human nature, that is, accessible to our eyes, to our ears, to even physical touch. For example, when we think of the water from baptism. By the action of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, they make present efficaciously the grace that they signify. I have another paragraph from this catechism that I really love. It's kind of a loaded paragraph, and I'm going to read it once and try to unpack it for you the second time around. This is the catechism, paragraph 1131. Mind you, 
these quotations from the Catechism, again, are from this big book. I'm not quoting directly from the compendium. That's your homework assignment. This is much easier to read than the big book. If you want to use the big book, go right, go right ahead and do it. Don't let anyone stop you. Okay, this paragraph, 1131. The sacraments are efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. The visible rites by which the sacraments are celebrated signify and make present the graces proper to each sacrament. They bear fruit in those who receive them with the required disposition. Okay, so the sacraments are efficacious signs of grace. So one of the things one of the errors that people fall into is they will look at the sacraments and say they are only symbols. They are symbols of what we believe. Well, that's not entirely true. It's, it's partially true, but it's not the full truth. They are signs, they are symbols of grace, but the Catechism says they are efficacious signs of grace. In other words, the sacraments do something. So, the sacraments do something. I'm going to write that down. I hope you can see it on the board here. The sacraments. Running out of space here. The sacraments do something. I'm going to move my stick figure. He's going to have to take a few steps this way. Or she. The sacraments do something. What do they do? Well, they are efficacious signs of grace. They are means by which God's life is given to us. The life of Christ is given to us. This little guy represents us. The sacraments do something. They are not just ceremonies. Ceremonies, honestly, Things that are only ceremonies, they can get kind of boring after a while. You know, if, if our whole life is just about ceremonies that are based on what the meaning that people attach to them, they get boring after a while. But if the sacraments are more than ceremonies, if they are something filled with God's power, they're very interesting. There's something about them that's it's more than just meaningful, but real. Something about the sacraments that is real. They are not only ceremonies. They are ceremonies. Uh, we have a liturgical action, but they are much more than that. They're not just signs, but they do something. They are signs that are filled with the grace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The life of Jesus Christ is there. So, the sacraments are efficacious signs of grace. They do something. Don't forget that. The sacraments do something. Exclamation point. They are instituted by Christ. So the sacraments come from Jesus Christ himself. Now, it's kind of difficult to discern this perfectly or convincingly through the scriptures. But if you remember after the resurrection, before he ascended to the Father, the Lord Jesus spent a long time with his apostles. And there have been many early writings of the church fathers that have said, that he was instructing them in the life of the church. There's um, a series of books that I like that are based on a private revelation 
It's called The uh, Mystical City of God by uh, Venerable Mary of Agrada. It was written in the 1600s. And it's a private revelation, so you don't have to accept it. But it goes to what she perceived to be the Lord Jesus in his resurrection, teaching the early church what the sacraments were all about. It's very interesting. But the Catechism today teaches that the sacraments were instituted by Christ himself. But they are entrusted to the church. So we get the church in here. How do you get the sacraments? You got to go to the church or the church comes to you through some minister of the church, priest, a deacon or layperson who's ministering something to you, giving you the Eucharist or something. Um, so they do something. They come from Jesus Christ. They're given to the church so that we can share in the life of grace. The sacraments are efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. So we see right there that our lives now, by means of the sacraments, are connected to his life, Jesus Christ. That's what the whole church is all about. The visible rites by which the sacraments are celebrated, that's namely the different liturgies that we have in the church throughout the world and throughout the seven sacraments, the visible rites by which the sacraments are celebrated signify and make present the graces proper to each sacrament. So each sacrament has a, a unique kind of share in the life of Jesus Christ. So I'll give you an example. A baptism, the visible rite is the water. The pouring of the water or the submersion. Um, I've always done pouring water over the head of the person being baptized. And that water signifies cleansing. So baptism, the water signifies a grace of cleansing that is made present in the celebration of the sacrament of baptism. So each sacrament has its own special grace. But they're not magic. Here is the next line of this catechism paragraph that I love, 1131. These sacraments, they bear fruit in those who receive them with the required disposition. The sacraments bear fruit in those who receive them, receive them with the required disposition. So, yes, the sacraments do something because they're filled with that same power that that woman experienced when she touched the garment of Jesus. They do something. But we have to be open to what they do. I like the example of a radio transmitter. If I'm transmitting a message to you over the radio, and I have a good antenna system, and I'm putting out 4 watts of power or 12 watts, and I'm sending a message to you, but you're on a different channel or different frequency, am I transmitting power? Yes. Is that power going to you? Yes. Is it making a difference in your life? No, because you're not tuned into it. So this is what required disposition is all about. We need to be tuned in to the power that comes from Jesus Christ in the sacraments. They bear fruit in those who receive them with the required disposition. Now, I'm going to tell you what this required disposition is. It's three things that have to be working in our lives in order for the sacraments to make a real powerful difference in our lives all the time. Number one, 
faith. You got to have faith. All right? So, you got to have faith. If you have faith, that's a good place to begin. What's the faith? It's the creed. It's what we say when, when we have Sunday Mass, when we begin the rosary prayer. I like to recite the creed, especially in situations where I don't understand things. If you've ever been through a situation in your life where things seem to be too mysterious and you can't figure it out, recite the creed. Recite it slowly and let it sink in and let that remind you that this is reality right now. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. This is reality right now. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, redemption in Christ, life everlasting. You've got to have faith. So for the sacraments to be really fruitful in your life constantly, you have to keep working at your faith. You've got to have faith. You have to nurture it. If you don't have any faith, then the sacraments mean nothing to you, even though they are filled with God's grace. You'll become indifferent to their presence and to their power. And you might say, well, yeah, I was baptized, I got a certificate, and I was confirmed, and I received communion. But it doesn't mean much to you because you don't really believe. you got to have faith. you got to work on it. So one good way to work on your faith is what you're doing here, listening to this lecture, reading the catechism, reading the sacred scriptures. Uh, there's all kinds of... Um, scripture studies around. There's some really good ones. My favorite ones are by uh, Jeff Cavins. That's just a plug for Jeff Cavins of Ascension Press. But there's a whole lot of good ones. I have a friend who um, each morning she has some prayer time with the scriptures and, and then when she finishes she composes a prayer herself and she sends, the text, she sends a text message to all of her sort of prayer warrior friends and I read it and it's the kind of thing that when I read it it really nourishes my faith. We have to be part of a world or a world's life situation that, that nourishes our faith constantly. Reading the scriptures, praying the rosary, uh, watching programs about the lives of the saints. That's important. Got to work on that faith. Next thing, conversion of heart. Now I got to tell you, I just dropped my blue pen, so I'm going to switch to red. Conversion of heart. I hope you can see that on the camera there. Conversion of heart. Conversion of heart. What is that? Remember that woman in the gospel I read to you today? Uh, she humbles herself. She, she bows down in fear and trembling to go before Jesus, tells him the whole truth. She's humble before Jesus and his word. So conversion of heart means that we have to strive every day to to change our lives. That's humility, to recognize that you have to change something in your life. You got to do that all the time. You don't have to feel bad about yourself, but you got to keep trying to stay the course of following the Lord Jesus. So one good practice we have is in the spiritual life is at the end of every day to look over our day and any times where we have not been a saint, we acknowledge that, we, we bring that before God, we ask for His mercy, and we make an effort to repent, to reform our ways. If our falling short of the gospel is very serious, uh, we go to confession and we begin again. Conversion of heart. Conversion of heart is very necessary so that the sacraments will benefit you 
more and more and have more fruit in your life constantly. And the third thing is adherence to the Father's will. So I'm just going to put God's will. Thy will be done, we say, in the Our Father. What does this mean, adherence to the Father's will? It means a lot of things. Uh, one thing, it means that we have to live by the Ten Commandments. It means we have to pray. Jesus tells us to pray. It means we have to read the Gospel and try to follow the lessons of the Gospel and the teachings of the Church. Adherence to the Father's will. But this is not really an area that I want to focus on for this portion of our lecture on the sacraments. I want to talk about trust in God's providence with regard to adhering to the Father's will. Sometimes in life, things don't go the way we want them to. We experience the cross of Jesus in our lives. We experience suffering that weighs us down and seems to derail our life's course. That's where we have to adhere to the Father's will. We have to trust that God loves us and He's got a plan for us that's better than anything we could create on our own. So here's the thing, is you can have a lot of faith. You can be striving to be a holy person with conversion of heart. You can constantly turn away from your sins and renew your fidelity to the gospel. But then you have the cross in your life. You have some trauma in your past. You have some challenging situation in your present. You have some fear for the future and you start to become angry with God. You still go to church, you still have faith, you still want to live a holy life in God's grace, but you start harboring this anger toward God. You start, every time you pray, you're like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen and that to happen and that? How could you do this? I tell people that you're so good and so loving and you've done this to me. And you can start to, to turn away from God or turn against God. You're not adhering to the Father's will. You say in the Our Father, Thy will be done, but when you, that will includes the cross in your life, you start saying, not your will, but my will. And you get in this fight against God's will. Adherence to the Father's will. When you have the cross, you've got to trust in Him. Jesus, I trust in You. That's what your spirit has to be. So this is kind of the end of my lecture on the general idea of the sacraments. But the sacraments lead us to Christ, and we need to work on faith, growing in our faith. Daily conversion of heart. If we don't have conversion of heart, then we're going to become hypocrites. And boy, hasn't the church suffered too much from hypocrisy? We don't need any more hypocrisy. We need fidelity. Conversion of heart. We all have to work at that for ourselves. i got to say one thing. Oftentimes in this section of conversion of heart, People say, yeah, we got to have conversion of heart for that guy over there and that person over there and that person over there. No, this is about us individually. You need conversion of heart. I need conversion of heart. And then adherence to the Father's will. Even when the cross is so heavy, you can't take one more step. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you in every situation in life. So, brothers and sisters, as we move through this teaching on the sacraments, let us remember what they're all about. They're about our living relationship and encounter with Jesus Christ, our Lord. God bless you.